Hi, this is Damon Pistolka, host of the Faces of Business, where I talk with interesting people sharing life and business experiences to entertain, engage, build community, and provide information to help others succeed. If you're interested in learning more about one of our guests or how we are helping business owners generate wealth and build businesses they can sell or succeed at Exit Your Way, you can find more information on our website, ExitYourWay.com, or by contacting me directly, Damon at ExitYourWay.com. I hope you enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome once again to the Faces of Business with your host, Damon Pistolka. And I'm very excited today for my guest, Luke Lehman. Luke, how are you doing today? I'm great, Damon. It's great to be here. It's a sunny day in eastern North Carolina. There we go. You know, we actually have a, a, a blue sky day here in Seattle as well. It's going to be about 60 degrees and just awesome. Um, so you got to love spring, man. You got to love spring. I was driving around yesterday and all the blah that, you know, here we're, we're a bit behind you guys, obviously, but the cherry blossoms are out and everything is really looking pretty. So it's, it's, uh, it's a wonderful time of year. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Luke, so, you know, on LinkedIn, it says you're an executive investor mentor, but you know, you and I talked before and, and what you are doing is you are helping by investing and or buying some businesses once in a while and doing some other things. So it's going to be interesting for us to talk about that uh, a little bit later here. So if there's business owners listening, listening, they can, uh, you know, get some ideas from you of what you see from a, from an investor or buyer's perspective when you look at these businesses and also some of the, some of the things that you, you notice as you look at businesses a lot, cause I'm sure you review a lot of businesses. So that'll be interesting. But before we get started on that, you've got an interesting background. I mean, when, when you look at the typical business person, they haven't uh, put themselves in a fighter jet and that's something you've done for what you did for a while. And I think that's an interesting cover and then cover how that prepared you for business. So. Sure. Yeah. There's, there's probably not a lot of them. You know, it's interesting. If you are, a, if you're a fighter guy um, in the air force, probably eight out of 10 folks after they retire, go on to fly airplanes, they go to the airlines or, or, you know, overseas or something. Then yeah. there's, there's like the ninth guy that gets into the business. And there's the 10th that has the rich uncle His you know, his wife is a, a cardiologist or something. And that guy plays golf a lot. So there's very yeah. few, uh, there's very few folks out there that are in the business world. Um, the, 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 I think that the folks that do join the business world are very successful, but um, you know, being a fighter pilot, there's, there's a lot of similarities between what I do and um, in the executive world and the way that I run businesses and high precision organizations. But the, the simina- similarities exist around problem solving and how creative you can be in your communication and your leadership style. So I think those are really a lot of the tenets that came out of the aviation world. And um, I, I don't hurl myself at the ground at 400 knots anymore, but that's probably a good thing that that's behind me. Yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. So, you know, just out of curiosity. So when, when you are in, and I know there's stuff that you probably can't talk about, but tell us a couple exciting moments that you had in, inside of a fighter plane. 
Well, unfortunately, David, exciting is not the word that I like to describe my career. Yeah, with, right? I know. Are, I know. I, just, I like to. I, I like to have like the benign moments where I where my takeoffs uh, it, uh, equaled my landing. Takeoffs equaled my landings. But uh, you know, realistically, there's uh, the, the airplane that I flew was the A10 Warthog. So for the folks that are yeah. listening that are actually yeah. true aviation fans, they're gonna they're gonna take me to task on the fact that it's not a fighter; it's an attack airplane. Uh, but the, but the thing about the A10 is that it is designed only for close air support, and that yeah. is to, to truly end fights. So I kind of tell the story that I never picked a single fight, but I ended quite a few of them. Uh, and, uh, I can actually think back to a there was a train mission that we flew when I was stationed down in South, uh, where we went down and we um, we were doing some low altitude training and we actually ended up having a, a, a pretty low altitude. One of my wingmen actually did a, a low recovery and almost hit the ground. Now, you, you know, to say that that's exciting, is probably a little bit of an understatement, but it was, you know, it was exciting for sure. And, um, there, you know, there's a lot to come back and debrief as you get through the backside of that. Yeah. The, the A-10 is a special plane for the people that don't know it. I mean, because it is made to come in and, and, and do take care of business at, at a low altitude and you plan on getting some some uh, bullets shot back at you pretty much with that one I believe. Well, that's right yeah that thing sitting in the titanium bucket that's the whole the whole premise of it is that it's it's an armored airplane and it's designed to take face shots full of um you know for, full of low caliber weapons so i absolutely you know i'd say that when i was flying the airplanes it's it's fully safe and frankly from the generations that came before us that were you know firing in higher threat environments that was a yeah a much different thing than we were doing in afghanistan 2010 ish yeah 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 well that's interesting and and, and you know i i can i can imagine that as you as you transitioned out of the military there was quite a learning or quite an adjustment to come from that to business. So what are some of the things that as you transitioned out of the military and you decided to go into business that were um, a bit more of a challenge than you had expected for the adjustment? Uh, humility, <laughs> we could probably take that on for size here. You know, as you as you begin to um, uh, run a small business, I, one, one of the things that I, I talk about a lot is um, in the Air Force, we had a lot of instantaneous stress. There was throwing yourself at the ground at 400 knots and then a recovery under a high G environment. There mm -hmm. was uh, long sorties. But the, the, the thing about business ownership is that their stress is pervasive and cumulative. And that was the thing that yeah. I really wasn't prepared for is, is what cumulative stress felt like. Uh, fast forward a few years into my Air Force or into my civilian uh, business ownership career, I, I actually recall sitting at a uh, parking lot in uh, at a grocery store just ahead of Thanksgiving and felt my left arm begin to go numb. And I'm like, this oh, no. is it, you know, I'm in mid thirties and I'm going to have a heart attack. And so I call my wife and I'm like, you know, I'm obviously something's going on. She says, go to the emergency room. I, I'm a fighter pilot. So I chose not to, I went to the, <laughs> to the urgent care and they, they ran the test and they, you know, the, the point of it was, it was anxiety. Yeah. I made it all the way to 36 years old after having flown jets in combat before I ever felt the physical manifestation of stress. And I, and I really didn't know at that point what cumulative stress even felt like. Yeah. Yeah. My, my time was 33 years old and I just converted a facility to go from a normal five day a week to 24 seven. And it was just, mm -hmm. it was insane. We were supporting some very, very, very large customers and, um, we had to run 24 seven and it was about four months in and I had the same thing. And it was the same, almost, almost exactly, you know, 
I did go to the emergency room, but but there's like, listen, you, you were the smart one. We've seen this before, but it is. It, you're right. It is cumulative stress, and and one of the things that that I I often talk with with uh, clients and such is that our, our consulting clients and even our sales clients is like, you know, business is stressful. It is stressful, and if and if you can't get away from that, it will kill you. Mm-hmm. It will kill you. It will kill you slowly by bad health habits right. and over time, or it'll kill you quick. Like you, you thought, or I thought that we had from a heart attack or something like that. And I think it's, it's very important and often overlooked that, that people in business need to have uh, at least ways to keep their mind and their body in somewhat healthy position. Otherwise it, it can go down quickly. Yeah. And if it doesn't manifest itself in the, you know, physical items, it's the drinking or it's the, yeah. you know, the, the bad marriages. There's a lot of yeah. ways that you can ruin your life by misprioritizing, misprioritizing. Yeah. 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 Some I didn't, I certainly didn't think we were going to talk about, but it's very relevant because I'm sure as you see businesses, and this is one of the things that we talked about too, when we, when we're uh, consulting with people that want to sell their business and they're, they're talking about selling it, it's like, listen, if your business is set up, so that you're miserable in it or you're working so hard that you should be dead. Why would someone else want to buy into misery? I don't want you that. Know? That's right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So it's, so it's something to do. So as you're, as you're out here now, um, ex- explain a little bit about some of the fun things that you've been able to do in business. Well, for, so for, you know, first and foremost, my, my bread and butter business is an aerospace and defense company. So I didn't really stray far, um, for, you know, from the, from the apple tree there on our business and, and that business is fun supporting government clients, but really is, you know, as I kind of broadened my horizon and began to look at business, many businesses function the exact same way. Uh, and I'm a big fan for the, for the readers or listeners who may uh, be readers of the entrepreneurial operating system. You know, if yep. you're a uh, Gino Wickman attraction, it, it, tr- Gino just does a, a great job of boiling it down to the fact that there's only, I love it. I, I love and it. I didn't, I didn't even plan that. Did, it's like teed that one up for me. No, there's only three, right? There's only three things in a business, right? Sales and marketing operations yep. and finance. You cannot get yep. crazy about it. And, and, and folks, frankly, you know, as I look at young entrepreneurs, folks try to make it so much harder than it yeah. needs to be. They come up with these convoluted plans and really, if you just get good at sales and marketing, if you just get good at product delivery and you have the ability to do accounting, then you can run a business. You can do anything, yeah. frankly. You know, so, yeah. uh, so you, you know, th- there's you asked the question about exciting and um, as, as much as uh, motivational speakers that tell me I have to take a lot of action don't motivate me. There was one that talked commented about progress. And that's truly it is is when I can set a goal for myself and then go accomplish that goal. That's the thing that really motivates me. and gets me out of bed these days. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. It is. I tell you what, it, it is a lot of fun in business when you can lay out a goal and you achieve that goal and you go, OK, now what's next? And and when when you're able to do that and you put the team around you that can execute on it, it is a lot of fun. And it is it, it does really give you a rush to be able to do that. So. That's good stuff. Cool. Well, now, as you're out there looking around now and and you're you're thinking about business to invest in, what are the kinds of businesses that you look at to invest in? So I'm a little bit different than a lot of investors. You know, institutional money, if you were to go to a private equity firm or a family office or even a venture capital, depending on the, you know, the type of business structure, 
I, I'm looking for businesses that I that I call uh, late stage accelerators. So they've already had a proven framework. They the business can work. We already know that they've got a customer base. They've got good operations, good delivery. They have sound finances. But inside the segment specifically, I'm looking for service based businesses that are Amazon proof. If you know, if you can be put out of business by an Amazon delivery truck, it's going to make it very hard for me to do it. But a lot of the businesses that I look at are high touch, high customer focus, um, and, and I just I don't believe that those businesses are going to go away. You know, we're still going to need folks to take care of the lawns. We're still going to need dry cleaners. We're still going to need people to cut our hair yep. um, long after Amazon comes and goes. So th those are the types of businesses and. Um, I've got a great story of a, a friend of mine here that runs a beautiful landscaping business for everybody that thinks that they got to keep a $600,000 landscaping business. I'll tell you the story about his $9 million landscaping business. that's just doing incredible stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, and that's a great example of, uh, of, of what I, what I see when, when we have people looking for businesses, they don't realize that they're all around them every day. And you look at things like, like you said, landscaping is a great one. Some of these um, custom remodeling and mm -hmm. some of these other ones. And, and I'm not talking about the, the a guy in a truck kind of remodeling. I'm talking about that do, you know, millions of dollars of business yeah. a year. And, and, and they have very, very substantial businesses. And it's, and it's niche and it's very high touch. They make things just like somebody wants them or do them just like they want them. Right. And, and, and they're cool as heck. They're cool as heck, and they can and they can make a really good life and leave a good legacy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when when you're out and about uh, doing things now, what do you see in the in the uh, economy that are are bright spots that are coming around since we're kind of waking up out of this COVID fog? Well, everything's a bright spot, you know, and, and unfortunately, there's a um, there there's something that's happening inside the environment right now that I think is actually not doing anybody any service. And that is the, the government bailout. And um, that, you know, it's not going to be a popular sensation for folks that have taken PPP money. Our, our businesses took PPP money. Yeah. The problem is that that businesses grow and thrive when under duress. And it's no different than ourselves, right? You know, our biggest yeah. growth opportunities come from learning opportunities. Yeah. Uh, you know, you've got a busted knee right now. You'll learn some things about how to how to cope with that busted knee and, and yeah. how to move forward. But when when you think back on your life, to all the challenges that you faced in your life, the pilot training was a great example. They said that that was the shortest year of your life made up of the longest days. Well, yeah. if you were to talk to me on a Thursday afternoon at the end of a 60 hour work week going into my fifth day, yeah, you'd have had a hard time convincing me that I was learning anything other than how to bleed and you know have a lot of pain points. But that's the that's the thing in the environment that I see right now is that there's a there's a leveling of the playing field. What I hope doesn't happen is I hope people don't miss the true lessons of resiliency as business owners to be able yeah. to figure out how to shore up your finances or to tighten the belts or to hire quality talent. But I, I think honestly, it's a bright spot. Um, and I think that actually now more than ever is just a great time to enter business as well as exit business. There's just yeah. a lot of opportunity in the environment right now. Yes. Yes, there. I, I I agree too because the the pent up demand alone uh, for everything. I mean, if you look, even look during COVID, right? We have we have e commerce clients, and yeah, Amazon does hurt or help them in in certain instances. But that was something that was super strong all the way through.
Mm -hmm. And now when you look at the, and you look at, again, we talked a bit about the remodeling or those kind of things, home improvement. I don't know if, if, if you've been into a, a home improvement store for the last year, there's nothing hardly on the shelf. Well, there was spreaders. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and, and it's, and it's nuts. You know, you look at the price of lumber, you look at everything else. It's because everybody's upgrading everything because they're sitting That's at home. They're, they're looking at, Hey, I need, we should redo the bathroom now or the kitchen or whatever they're doing and they're getting that stuff done. So there's some of that's been strong right along. And, and I contend, and I know this is not, again, this is not a popular belief is that, you know, what we saw most of were the restaurants and the, and the, the gyms and the other right. things like that, that have foot traffic coming in out of it. But there are big swaths of the economy that kept right on rolling. Booming. Sure. And, and going right on, you know, I do a fair amount of work with manufacturing. Yeah, they had a hard time selling, but the ones that already had established customers, I can talk to five that had a hard time because they were looking for customers. And I can talk to five more that said they had to beat customers off because they, they were just, they, they had to, you know, had mm -hmm. to turn them away because they were just too many. Well, too the many. manufacturing is a great sector and you know, there is a, um, that's a sector that I love right this second. There, just just because COVID hit and you slowed down for a year doesn't mean that the demand went away. This yeah. is the thing about COVID and this pandemic that I mean, truly, like you can email me and tell me if you're listening to this. Did you have a contingency response plan for a pandemic? I didn't. <laughs> right. Now, you know, I think we had one for a hurricane or a flood before, yeah, long before yeah. we had a pandemic. But yeah. th these, this is not real. And, and I know that's going to be really contrary to people. This was short. And when we look back on this in the life cycle of businesses, this is a, a very short span. Yeah. But this recovery is going to happen quickly. So when you go back to the manufacturing, all the those are lead items for end uses. And those things are still going to need to be consumed. They may mm -hmm. not have gotten consumed in Q4 of 2020. But if you, if you were hurting as a manufacturer, in 20, 2020 Q3, Q4, I expect you to have a booming year in Q3 of Q4 of 2021. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would agree. There's, there, there seems like the, you know, all the indicators are there and, and people that, that, like I said, that have, that, that are doing a good job ready and got solid customer base. It's just getting bigger. Mm -hmm. It's getting yeah, bigger. So absolutely. there's some interesting stuff happening there. So that's good. The, um, so when you're out and about and you're looking to invest in a business, what are some of the key things that you look at? Well, first of all is the maturity of the organization. So it, you know, I think you kind of alluded to it either on air or off air here is, um, I do not value a business that the CEO is irreplaceable. That matter of fact, that the higher value of the business, is if that guy or gal can go take two weeks of vacation and the business is uninterrupted, it's a beautiful business. I love it. So that's kind of the first and foremost is I look all the way at the top, but that is actually reflective of the culture of the organization. That's so, you know, one of the things that I look at, that's something that, that a private equity firm may not go look at is I want to sit down with your family. I want to find out the relationship that you have with your spouse. I want to find out how you treat your children. I want to find out if you're present. You know, I want to find out if you're peaceful. Are you engaging? Because that's going to tell me a lot about the way that you engage your employees. 
Um, so don't be surprised when I ask you if you come to dinner and bring your family. This is not a, you know, we're not going to go have three whiskeys. You're going to bring your family, at least for one of the meetings here, so that we can take a look at that. Uh, but for me, I'm also not looking for folks that are looking to exit with their bag full of cash and go retire to the Caribbean. Uh, yeah. I'm looking for high growth companies. So folks that are growing at greater than 30% year on year. I know that that kind of curtails a little bit, but one of the things, Damon, that I see on a lot in, and I don't think this is bad for lifestyle businesses. If you get to the place that you've built the business, you have the income that you want, leave it. It's, it's a beautiful business. Take more vacation, have more impact, spend more time with your kids. But I'm looking specifically for businesses that if it's a $2 million gross revenue that we can turn into five or five turn into 10. I want to take that thing on a rocket ship. And I, I truly do believe that the majority of the impediments that we put on our, on our businesses are only the impediments that we put on ourselves that are reflected in the business. Yeah. So this is a good point. Most people, when you start talking about growth, like, like you're saying, um, so first of all, when you when you look at your investment horizon, how long do you typically when you go from two to five or five to ten? How long would you think that would be? Is that over five years, three years, ten years? What do you twelve, think? To, twelve to twenty-four months? Yeah, yeah. So you're going to do that in twenty-four months. So when I'm looking at my business, and and this is this is what I really uh, I really like to get into with people because that business owner that's sitting there with a five million dollar revenue business, say they're making a million bucks a year off that. Now, when that's at 10 million in revenue, that's not going to be $2 million in revenue in the EBITDA or whatever you want to call right. it, the measure you're doing. You're probably right. going to be closer to three and your multiple is going to go up. So mm -hmm. uh, it's it's the the multiple that you would value your business is what I'm what I'm right. uh, referring to there for the people that may not know. So my if my business is worth five times my one million when I start, it's probably going to be worth 12, 15 million when I get to the second level there. And and everybody wins more when you do that. So, it, and it's one of the things that, that we do a lot with, with, with our clients, different industries, obviously, but it's, it, but it is the same. And when you, you don't really think about that as you're looking at scaling opportunities is what the value and the end goal is uh, as much. I believe when it's, when it's a private owner that is running a lifestyle business and, and not, concerned about legacy as much mm -hmm. yeah. yeah but absolutely. so you're going in and you're doing this and and you you touched on something about the impediments to growth and you you touched on something that is really a, a hot topic in my mind and that is self-imposed impediments so so what are some of those things that you see that when you're out and about that uh or in the companies that you're helping the the self-imposed impediments I've heard a lot of things out of business owners like my industry doesn't support it. Um, and that, you know, if you're thinking about multiple locations or growth yeah. out of localities or um, bottom line, you know, if you're pushing three, four, five percent and I say, I want you to do 10 percent, you go, my industry doesn't support it. Um, there's a lot of misconceptions. And, and what I ask is just simply, how do you know that? Did you go to the book on local business growth and say that, that you know local business growth is limited to 30% year on year and you can only do 6% in a you know uh, a real estate office or a, you know, whatever yeah. it is. And it's like, no, you, you don't know that to be true. I'm not saying that it's untrue, but the majority of it is actually not the environment telling you 
It's the belief that we have around it. And then the story that we're telling ourselves about the belief. And when you get, begin to pull those onions, the layers of the onion back, you go, that's just not true. So, so two things for people that are looking to exit their business. Number one is if, if you believe that your business is limited in its growth potential, and I don't believe that your business is limited in its growth potential, you are going to get less money out of the transaction. Mm-hmm. That's it. Because if you can't, and, and that's what I will kind of get into some, some challenges facing it. But if you can't see the growth plan and I can, then it's going to be my job to take that business on the growth trajectory. And I expect a higher return on my investment. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point because as we are, as we are helping our clients uh, in the consulting and preparing their business for sale, one of the things that we do is we, we, A, articulate, B, help them to start executing on the growth plan and C, we make sure that that growth plan is, is, you're not all the way down the end of that growth plan and you know what growth, you know, we're on plan A, but we know what plan B is going to be. That, that's and, so important, Damon. And, and see, you know, Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry to cut you off there. I I just I just I couldn't agree with you more. That is absolutely so spot on is that I see these businesses and, you know, people, um, uh, you know, when they recast their financials, that's that's one of my favorite. They took out all these owner compensations. It's like, well, I hear you that you took your own owner's compensation out because you had your executive retreat. And, you know, for us, it's Wilmington, North Carolina, that your wife's Tahoe was on there. I, I hear you doing all those things. Yeah. But I also have to go pay the person that's going to come take your yeah. spot, right? So, yeah. so you know, when I look at these finances, like, okay, we were we were three million, three and a half million, four million, four and a half million, five million. But next year, we're going to be nine million dollars, and it's like I don't believe you. I don't yeah. believe you because you've shown me that you can do ten percent growth year on year, and now you're going to tell me that you're going to do one hundred and fifty percent growth. Yeah. So show me why this year, and, and maybe it is, right? You had a windfall of contracts, you opened a new location. There's there's certainly some things, but I couldn't agree with you more. Is so show me a we're in uh you know we're we're in year six of our 10-year plan. We've hit 78% of the markers along the way, and we have every reasonable expectation that we're gonna hit yeah. on the remainder of 78% of the markers. Yeah. And you go, okay, so so part of the telling of the story, and I, I, you got me on a you got me on a tear here. Part of telling the story about your business is not what your business can do in the future; it's what you did in the past, and then what more resources are going to do to only accelerate when I put that fuel on the fire. What are those yeah. more resources going to do to make us grow together? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's one of the things that it's it's funny that you take off on that, like because it's one of the one of the things that. Well, I, it's it's one of my sticking points, one of my emphasis points with people, and it and it drives me absolutely batty when when I see somebody and and I just saw it last week, we had uh, a potential client sent me three pages of potential potential things that's going to happen, potential things that's going to happen. How much have you paid for potential when it's not partially realized? No, you 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 the seller pays for potential exactly. You, you, the purchase price because I'm I'm not going to invest in hopes and dreams and prayers, right? I can't fill up a bucket with, with those things. So, unfortunately for you, that all that's going to do is that's going to create doubt in our plan, and that's going to lead to a lower number for you. Yeah, yeah. And and by the way, everyone, 
that was we never even talked about this before we got on but it's so it's so uncanny that but it happens all the time i mean because I, I i hear this and i see this as a business owner you look at it and you go man there's potential there's potential there's potential but when you look at your business in the way that a business buyer looks at it if that potential is not laid down in a plan set out in goals and you're not marching mm -hmm. towards them and making incremental progress that someone can go back and see that i said i was going to get to 100 and I've made it to 30 and I'm on my way to 40 now, just like I said, that that's the only way that you can, you can get someone to realize or believe yeah. that you are going to hit a hundred. Otherwise just pulling it out and writing it down means nothing. I, I chuckle a little bit. I was in a forum the other day and they, um, somebody, we were talking about strategic plans and someone said, my, my group of mentors and CEOs don't believe in strategic plans. I'm like, what? Uh, so I, you know, I had to do a little fact check, right? When we talk about beliefs. It's like, because I believe that a strategic plan. So, so when I, so when you look at mine, so there's a, you know, in, inverted pyramid is how I do it. At the top of it is the decennial plan. What, what do I hope to occur in 10 years? And then yeah. we break that down into the year then we break that down to the quarter and then we get to actions and milestones and KPIs, right? So we, we, you know, we break those things up with, you know, OKRs and KPIs, but there's, there's specific metrics. So for us, and, and when somebody says, I don't believe in a strategic plan, I'm like, what? It, it just makes me chuckle. Now, now, you know, early on I went to score, right? And I, you know, I think it's a great organization, but you get what you pay for. Yeah. So if you want a template business plan that somebody's collected out of a textbook and they go, all you need to do is get these 30 pages to figure out. I'm like, no, okay, that I, I get it. That That is not a strategic plan. That's a business plan that maybe if you're trying to go get a bank to give you some loans or something like that, that makes sense. But absolutely. I, I want to see where you are on your 10 year plan, but I also want to see what happened three years ago on your 10 year plan. And then I want to see how you adjusted your 10 year plan based on the metrics that you were achieving along the way. Yeah. And it's just not that hard to create that. You can literally create these things in a day or two and, yeah. and put yourself on the way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's it, it uh, virtually every business we go into uh, and we talk to, we go, okay, what is your, what is your uh, budget for this year? What have you laid out? What are your projections? What are you doing? Uh, and they go, well, we didn't do it. And I, I'm not talking $100,000 business. I'm talking $40 million business, $50 million business. And it's because the owners, when you start a business and you grow it that big, because we do work with a lot of people like that. They started it from nothing and, and it's decent size now, right? They never did it then. And they're comfortable running that big old business out of their checkbook almost at the size it is today. But that's fine for them. But when you start to go out and try to do anything with it beyond that, even investment capital or selling anything else, it, it all changes because of just exactly what you said. And it's not hard. It's it's mm -hmm. take what you did last year and put a factor on it. If right. you have yeah, to. multiply it by 1.3. Yeah, the, the seasonality yeah. and the, it all right. works out. It's simple enough and break it down into weekly stuff that your people can understand that. I'm supposed to do this on a weekly basis and start measuring it. I mean, it's not yeah. hard and it, and it does so much for you because the other thing, let's talk about this a little bit. And I'm sure you're going to see this in these businesses is that if you don't lay out goals, people don't know what the hell they're supposed to do or 
if they're doing a good job. That's right. That's right. Yeah, there's a there's an analogy or a saying, and I, I don't know who to attribute it to. I'm going to write this down. Maybe you'll send me an email and tell me that I heard General Hugh Shelton say this many years ago I, when I was a senior in college. He said, uh, and it's not his quote, a leader is one who knows the way, shows the way, and goes the way. And I, I don't know who said it. I'll, I'll Google it and figure it out here in a minute. But when you look at that quote is, the, you know, a leader is one who knows the way, shows the way, and goes the way. So I know we're not talking about leadership here, yeah. but but how do we, if I'm going to take my business, so one of my core mantras is what got us here won't get us there. Yeah. If you're running your $40 million business the way that you ran your $4 million or your $400,000 business, you know, it's hard. It's hard to tell people, right? If somebody goes, ah, I'm doing it the same way and I grew up to $40 million, you, you will hit a threshold. The thing that I would challenge that person to got to that $40 million business is what did you change along the way? Yeah. You know, the way that you you're probably ISO 9001 certified or, you know, whatever it is in the industry 4000 series. Um, you probably went, you have some finance processes. You actually have the ability to collect receivables and make payables happen. So you mm -hmm. obviously did something, but it's I, I don't know why, you know, Damon, it's like. It's like uh, folks get to the point in October and they're like, you know, for folks on a you know, December fiscal year and they go, ah, I just don't really have the time to go put two or three or five days into a, you know, into a strategic offsite. And I'm looking at them. I'm like, well, just pay it. Just go to Damon and just have Damon come in your business and go look at a couple of managers and, and deliver it back to me. And then guess what? I've got a strategic plan. All of a sudden we can start marching forward. Well, it, it is. It is interesting because you're right. And and it's something that you don't necessarily need to do because a lot of it is a lot of it is number crunching a lot of it is asking questions that that an outside person can can do for you and then you can refine it so that two to five days that you look at can really be a long afternoon or two and then another long afternoon or two to deliver it to your team and and revise and do whatever else you need to do and then you're then you then you sit down in january with your team on on your first weekly performance meeting or whatever you want to do uh, on your your second Monday of the month and go how did we do mm -hmm. we said we were going to do this how did we do mm -hmm. and and the thing that that is just eye opening for me when I'm sitting in those meetings for the first time and people look at that and they go you look around the room and they might have five or six managers in that room they all know if they're department they're whatever they're responsible for did we do it or not because right. we've got a few numbers we don't have a hundred numbers we're looking at we're looking at a handful of numbers but my customer service person knows that hey we we did this my uh you know my operations person the the wherever it is they they know they did what they should do if they're if they're if we've set this up right we've set up the numbers and then the beauty part about this whole thing is you don't go to the end of the month and wonder, did we make the money or not that we should have? Did we grow like we should have? Well, you know, every week, if we hit the, if we hit the sales goals, we hit the profitability goals and we hit the, uh, we delivered like we're supposed to to the customer, whatever else you want to check on, those financials are going to turn out pretty damn close at the end of the month. Yeah, there's something that's I just I was taking notes as you were talking there. Accountability is something that we're, I know we're I know we're not talking leadership in this discussion. So that's it. We'll, you know, we'll, we won't get too far into it. But people thrive when held accountable. Yeah. And they love when leaders are accountable. Yeah. And 
and you know, I don't have to be self-deprecating in my communication and say, "Hey, I know that you know the business is awry because I did something wrong or something." But if you know, there, there's two key mistakes that I see leaders making, number one, well, first and foremost, they don't have KPIs. If yeah. if you are in any size business over seven figures and you do not have key performance indicators, you are doing it wrong. If you're looking to figure out what happened in the last quarter, you're doing it wrong. But but most folks have bad KPIs. When they look at their KPIs, they tie them all to financial metrics. And, and th those are important, sure, but, but financials really tell the story historically. Yeah. What the what most businesses need to do is they need to know about customer satisfaction. So if we go back to the marketing world, we could look at the lifetime value of the customer is your lifetime value of the customer only stays lifetime if they stay your customer. Yeah. So you better have a KPI that supports having the lifetime of that customer or you're going to shorten that number up pretty quick. Yeah. Um, the, the other giant. So that's the, the first one people, the first and foremost, if you don't have KPIs, spend an afternoon, and, and 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 just as an aside, I'll come back to the real point in a second. Consultants, coaches, and peer networks is, you know, I use them all the time. Consultants come in and fix a specific problem. Coaches come in and fix my problem. And then peer networks are the one that helps me to rise the tide and float all the boats, right? We, we don't have to have any losers in this thing. So consultants, coaches, and peer networks, I, I digress a little bit. KPIs, mistake number one. And then folks don't operate on the correct interval. We just because the IRS says that we have to report our taxes on a one-year basis does not mean we have to run our businesses on a one-year basis. We could run it on, we could we can measure it on a week or two weeks, but you know, spoiler surprise, 12 weeks, one quarter, there's four of them in a year. I look at all the business components on 12 week cycles because that's when I can put the big, so to go back to the aviation speak, that's when I can put the big rudder steer back in the business and go, hey, we, we actually have something that we need to refine and something that needs attention because it's not working correctly. Yeah. Yeah. You give it long enough so that you can test, you can make, see if it's going to work or not and get it. Um, and then you make the changes. That's mm -hmm. a, that's a great thing to think about is just how long do you, how long do you do something uh, before you start making changes? Because oftentimes you find business owners either they want to wait way too long or they want to make it they don't see a change it's two hours yeah. we haven't seen a change we better change it again and, and employees can't hang with that right you know yeah. if every week they come in and the boss has a new idea and that 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 won't work either yeah 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 good stuff good stuff well when when you're in in these businesses and we let's go back to this again um you talk about the owners and and things and, and we're going to bring up the c word and that's culture and when you when you start to look at these what are some of the things that you see that are really good in the in these businesses when you see some of the culture and what are some of the things that you see are just really detrimental that they might not even that the owners may not even see themselves well first first and foremost um i i look at what's written so I, before I even go look at a business, I'm going to go to the website. I'm going to find out what they say about themselves. So, uh, you know, I, I like to develop a vision, mission and culture statement. And, and the vision is all the way into the forever. 
um, and I've actually done a lot of research on this, and I know a lot of people have differing opinions about how to write vision and mission and culture statements. Mm -hmm. Where are we going? Who do we serve? And how do we treat our people? Vision, mission, and culture. And I want to see what you say about your company. And then I want to ask what your frontline leaders say about your company. Uh, you know, so how often do you check in with them and ask them what the culture of the company is? So for me, I value communication, initiative, and accountability. The cost of admission for me is integrity. You, you, you know, if you if you can't have integrity, I don't have any business doing business with you. Um, mm -hmm. uh, we can we can make a thousand legal documents, but if I can't shake your hand and trust that you know or, or that you're going to do what you say that you're going to do, we don't even need to try this thing. Yeah. But communication, initiative, and accountability, and then I want to see what's reflected in the organization. And and I and I, I don't care what your words are, right? That you know, any any number of words can work. There were they are a reflection of you, but like a, you know, a good one that I love to see is uh, charity. Well, when you say charity, if you are a company, not a C three, just a company that values charity, is that reflected in the way that you treat your employees? Writing a writing a ten thousand dollar check to a cancer society, which I absolutely encourage everyone do, writing a $10,000 check, if you value charity, is not the same as an extended leave, leave policy for a, you know, a, a mother on maternity leave that has you know, some needs, some time with their children. It's yeah. not um, you know, a couple of extra days off for here. So I see these, these complete uh, breakdowns, these incongruences in environments where people are not they're, they're saying one thing and it's not actually reflected in the way that they lead their businesses. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I, you do see that and you see that too, when people say how they're part of the community and you go, okay, show me how, and you see no community involvement. Mm -hmm. You don't see that they, you know, give their employees paid time to go work at the, at whatever boys yeah. and girls club down, just take it, yeah. take it, do whatever, fix up a park, whatever it is. And, and uh, it's a great, a great example of, of that and how you're, you're, you know, are you walking the walk or walking the talk? Excuse me. Yeah. Walking the talk. There we go. One, one of the, and, and Damon will go just a little bit deeper here. One of the things that, um, one of the big breakdowns I see in CEOs is they say they value profit and wealth. Or they don't. And, and But here's what I generally see. When you say to a CEO, do you value wealth? Then they go, yeah. But it's not active anywhere in their life. You know, when you go out to a dinner and they tip poorly and it's like mm -hmm. you're hoarding the money. Yeah. That's not what, you know, when a consultant comes in, you're like, ah, I'm not going to pay a consultant. I'm going to power through this thing myself. I'm going to hire an entry level employee because it's going to save me money. No, that's not wealth. That's scarcity. Yeah. And that, that incongruency, and this is what, you know, for me is, is what I look for in businesses. I look for it myself. I've, I can point to places where I've done it myself. Your business is only a reflection of you. So I say that I value my family. But, but if, I, if I work 50 hours a week, 60, 70 hours a week, that's not really congruent with my values of family. Mm -hmm. And then also how I also afford time for my members of my organizations to spend time with their family. Yeah. So there's some really big incongruencies that, that I see in organizations along the way. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's a great example too. It, it, and it is, I mean, it's, and it's hard. I mean, it's, it's hard to run a business and I, and I totally appreciate the difficulty in that. Um, having done it for, for many years and, and continue to do it in the different aspects, but it's, it's not hard or it's not easy. And it, it's don't want to lighten that in, in any way, shape or form. It's just that the, the demands on businesses as you get larger, get more and your, your breadth of knowledge and the things that you need to be doing in those businesses. And I don't mean technical because you know, when you look at businesses, that's that's why people generally get into business because they're technically good at something. And that doesn't do you prepare you at all to run a business. Yeah, I kind of chuckle again. I, 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 you know, when you say it's hard to run a business, um, it's it, sure it's hard, you know, and it's like what's so this goes back to the identity and beliefs and stories. Why specifically, if I'm talking to a business owner, I'm going to say, I've got a great friend that's that's running a beautiful hospitality business downtown uh, Raleigh. And it's, by, by all measures, it's hard. They suffered from a fire a couple of years ago. They got a lot, a lot of hard. But when I, when I look at a business owner and I go, what specifically about your business is hard? And they go, uh, managing people, employee retention. What specifically about employer retention is hard? And then what, when we begin to pull those layers back, is you know, it's the questions of five whys. By the way, nobody ever asks the question of why. If you want to alienate people, you know, ask the question why. But what about this? How does this affect you? What does it mean for you if it does happen? What does it mean for you if it doesn't happen? It's like a little marriage counselor for business owners, right? You're yeah. a therapist yeah. for business owners. But, you know, the story that we tell ourselves, and I, I will tell you that, you know, I operated from this position of scarcity for many years um, for, for the idea that business needed to be hard. And what that meant for me, the story that I was telling myself was that I needed to be always on and always responsible. And I prided myself. Let's see if I can show it to you. Well, it won't. But uh, emails, 42 emails on here. Let's see if it'll pop up there. I used to go to bed with zero emails like it was some badge of honor. And I would, you know, it's like, who told you that that zero on your inbox? And I would wake up at six the next morning. It's like, who, what does that mean? So, you know, when we come back to it, why don't you pick the story that serves you as a business owner? If it's going to be hard, let it be hard doing the thing that serves you. It doesn't need to be hard that your employees won't come to be work come to work. It needs to be hard that you teach, coach, mentor, recruit, and challenge employees to grow and enable you on your dream, right? So, you know, it's yeah. just, choose your heart. You pick what you want to do. Hard. It is. That's a great point. And, and I don't mean it, in, it is hard, like going to be you down hard. I mean, hard, like in challenging that makes you better. That's, that's yeah, what I think it is. And it's, and it is, it, it is that, that, you know, I honestly think that running businesses is simple. Right. In the whole scheme of things, it's simple. The hardest point I believe in running a business is just being the, the most challenging. I don't quit using the word hard. The most challenging thing is, am I working on the right things right now? Bingo. That's it. I mean, when you look at it and you go, okay, what's what <laughs> and and who's doing what? Because you go back again to traction. It's like, should I be doing this or not? And am I working on the right things? Mm -hmm. And and you get those two things right. And it, everything else becomes a lot less difficult to get done. And, and I think it, it is. But um, 
Interesting, interesting sidebar we get into. This thing could go on forever like this because, man, <laughs> I tell you, the the when you talk about the beliefs and what people think, when you start to uncover the, or peel the layers back on the onion, like you said, there there are really it is inside of us that limits us in most of these things. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's it's someone was telling me about this the other day, and it's been long enough now we almost have forgot about it. Starbucks went into a business, into an industry that everybody thought that you should pay a quarter or whatever the heck it was for a cup of coffee. And that was just a little side drink when you had had a, had a meal or something. And now look at it today. And it's coffee. It's coffee. It's right. coffee. You know, and look at yeah. it now. And they just looked at it differently and they put it together. And, and back then, some of you, someone just said, well, you can't make any money in coffee. That's it's right. A quarter a cup. Or whatever it is, and and you know, so as you were talking, some of the, my industry won't support it. Well, you don't know that because maybe you're not looking at it right, and and it, it is interesting that. So, oh man, good. We got to get a beer now, right? We, yeah, uh... <laughs> you got my brain going, and I'm like, okay, where do we go next? But let me let me ask you the question. So, what what haven't I asked you that I should be asking you? Well, you know, we, we got really deep into it, Damon. I love these, I love these conversations. Um, you know, um, when I think about business ownership and, um, I just want to kind of reflect back and I I don't have anything to add here. We could go on all night is, um, business can be easy. It matter of fact, it should be easy. And, and when we look at it, we, as business owners get so mired down in the day-to-day tasks. And, and I'll just, I'll, I'll interrupt myself for one second. I'll give you, I'll give the listeners one thing. When I think about the tasks, I don't have my book here. I only aim to accomplish three things in one day. And the reason I know what three things are is because I'm intentional every morning. That I look, I do a sweep of all the things that need to be done, and I pick the three highest value activities, and those are the only things that I set out to do until those things are done. But the three questions that I ask myself, am I the only one that can do the task? If no, it, it doesn't mean that I'm not going to do it. it. It just means that I know that it's not the highest value. The second question is, if I do this task, is it going to generate near-term revenue in the next three to six months? And the third question I ask for myself is if I do this task, is it going to add long-term strategic value to the company in the next 12 to 36 months? And if as the business owner, you cannot answer one of those questions in a yes, you're probably doing the wrong thing. Um, and, and I know that we all have to do things, right? You know, there's a lot of value in taking the trash yeah. out metaphorically and physically. But um, you know, what I would just kind of encourage business owners and, and what we didn't really get into is how do you prepare yourself for the exit? Um, I just want folks to think about uh, one thing. You are going to exit your business. Yeah. The analogy all the time, right? Whether it's feet first or you walk yourself out the front door, you are going to exit your business. The time to plan for exiting your business is today. I, I don't care whether or not you want to exit it. I'm actually looking at a business right now, a manufacturing business, and they are not ready for exit. 66 and 67 years old, the business. And it's like, you're you're too late. It's you, you can't affect the changes you needed to be 10 years ago. So no matter where you are in your business life cycle, prepare for the exit. And the exit can be very simply this. 
I've reached the portion of the business that gives me full sustainment. It gives me all the energy that I need. It provides me the finances that I want and I want to work less in it. That's an exit. That is a way to exit your business. An exit does not have to mean a bag full of cash delivered to your Caribbean vacation home. So yeah, uh, those are just a couple of closing thoughts. Lots of great, we could go on Damon all night, but you know, I certainly appreciate yeah. the opportunity to talk with your listeners today. Yeah. You know, and, and one thing to add on that, it's funny, it's, it's funny you bring that up and, and, uh, we do as, as we help, help people prepare for exits. And some of our clients are 10 years away, right? And, and we're helping them with their businesses. But one of the things that we, we often do that I'm, I'm sure you see a lot is we, we, we stress um, spreading out your investments because we, we often see that, you know, 90% of someone's wealth is tied up in their business. And, and if you start that early and you say, listen, you made a million dollars this year. Why are you just leaving a site in your business? Take $200,000 of that and go do something else with it. Put it in the market, put it in property, put it, I don't care. Go buy cars that will appreciate. It doesn't matter, but take it out of the business and, and just keep doing that and keep, you know, spreading out your investments. Because if you do that over time, it gives you flexibility and gives you options. And just like, um, you know, most people don't realize that if you start planning tax consequences, if you're going to walk away with a big pile of cash, tax consequences, if you start five plus years ahead of time, you can save millions of dollars in taxes. Mm -hmm. Millions, yeah. not tens of thousands, not, not hundreds of thousands, but millions. And, and it's well worth it to start thinking about that stuff early. But we as humans, we don't like to think about the end in that situation, but anyway. Well, I, I, do, I, I do think that's so important there. And I'll, I'll just kind of leave with one closing thought there for my Air Force days. As a young lieutenant, the Air Force was going through a, a restructuring where we needed to start flying unmanned airplanes. And as you can imagine, for a young fighter pilot, the con concept of sitting in a um, you know six by six booth in Las Vegas was none too appealing. But I, I had uh, done the math on it and I'd figured out that based on my age, and my time in the airplane that I was a ripe candidate. And what they, they, they told you was, if you volunteer now, we'll send you to this other airplane down in Florida. And it was a smaller single engine thing. And my, I talked to my squadron commander about it. And he said, you know, probably a good idea, Luke, for you to volunteer for that. And I, I went into the bar that afternoon, a Friday afternoon at Pope Air Force Base in North Carolina. I sat down with a, a guy named uh, Greg Bingham, Bingo. And Bingo said, I'm gonna give you one piece of advice, Luke. He said, never exchange a bad deal today for a good deal tomorrow. And I see business owners all the time postponing future opportunities for enjoyment or success in exchange for a bad deal today. They're like, I'll just work a 70 hour work week or I'll forego my vacation because I'm going to. I'm going to wait until you know, wait till wait till I retire in a few years. And, I, you know, I just couldn't agree with you more, Damon. It's like, do, you know, be diligent, be specific about the way that you're running your business and, and be, you know, be cognizant and mindful and challenge the ways that you think about it. Yeah. Yeah. Great stuff, Luke. Well, awesome conversation, man. I, I just so, so blessed that you, that you stopped by today and we're able to, to explain, you know, some of the things you see, some of your opinions. It was, it was great just learning from you. So if people want to reach out to you, Luke, or, or you're, trying to get a hold of you, what's the best way to do that? 
Yeah, I'm, I'm easy. LukeLayman.com. You can find me. There's okay. contact information on there. I answer all the emails personally. So Luke at LukeLayman.com. If you want to ask you questions, maybe a little bit slow to respond, but I'm open on all the social media channels as well. So I'm, good. I'm easily found. Good, good. So and, and one last thing before we go, you you had mentioned the kind of businesses that you're investing in. And let's, let's just say that one more time. So so people can hear that if they yeah, so generally the characteristic service-based businesses, um, so service and local-based businesses, positive EBITDA, usually in the one to ten million dollar range is what I'm looking okay. for. Okay, real good. Well, Luke, awesome. Thanks again for joining us. Thanks everyone for listening on LinkedIn Live. And if you didn't hear, if you uh, want to listen to this again, you can listen to it on our blog. It'll be up in a week or so, or you can listen on our podcast. We're on. Uh, I don't know, 14, 15 different channels. So you can get us there. Thanks so much, everyone. Thanks, Luke. And we will be back soon.